Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. The Journey, a 16-week odyssey of grit, determination, endurance, and will, where the weak are exposed and the strong revered. From Bleed Entertainment, this is Falcon's Flight. Insights and analysis on your Atlanta Falcons. Now, here's Robert Taylor and your host, Brian Giffen. It is Falcons Flight, Edition 6. Brian Giffen with Robert Taylor. Falcons Flight is a presentation of Believe Entertainment, the number one site for podcast professionals. Do you believe? We certainly do. Well, the season is about upon us. It is game week for the Falcons, who, of course, broke camp more than a week ago. But now the rubber's about to meet the road. Rob, good to have you here as always. And things begin to now get real. Absolutely, and as they have said in sports over time, it is now time to put up or shut up. One thing I wanted you to know, you'll be relieved, and the people that believe will also be relieved as well, because once again, the GPS took me an entirely different route to your house today, but guess what I saw on the way, but I didn't stop because I was... Starbucks. Yeah, found a Starbucks, so hey, you guys can call off the local officials, and, and we're good now. By the way, if you're an executive in the marketing department at Starbucks and you happen to hear this, if you want to cut us a check for that plug, (laughs) reach out, falconsflight66 at gmail.com. We'll give you all the info on how to reach us. But obviously we will take a look at the Falcons now as they are in game week mode. There's some things roster-wise that stand out to nobody's surprise. A.J. Terrell from Clemson, a sure bet to make the roster and before we go into that a little bit more speaking of bet the wait is finally over football is back you might not be at the game this year but you can still be in on the action at bet online from game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props bet online gives you more options to wager than any place online and there is always the online casino as well so head to betonline.ag ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. So A.J. Terrell makes the starting lineup, and that's, I don't think, to anyone's surprise. He'll start opposite Brian Oliver. Those are your two cornerbacks. Yeah, Scott Johns, our guy who comes on here with us quite frequently and has said things about A.J. Terrell. And anybody who's been following training camp or listening to our show will know that He's been talked about a lot in training camp, so he looks like one of those rookies that is poised to step up and contribute immediately. Let's roll. Let's do it. Yeah, and you know, the one thing about him is he's from a big-time program at Clemson where certainly has seen top-line talent, covered top-line receivers and the like, so that kind of makes it not as big a transition for a guy like him as it might be a guy from the FCS level, Division II level, that's a bit of an overachiever and or a guy that maybe as a dark horse somewhat surprisingly makes a roster This is a guy that was going to be there all along, and they had big plans for him using a number one pick on him. Yeah, I think the only thing that people have said is they looked at his play 
against Alabama in that game, and he kind of struggled a little bit in the passing game. But it's a college game. It's over. It's been played. Yeah. Can't have a great game all the time. For me, that's just another thing because a lot of times sports reporters don't have anything else to talk about. So they go reaching for any little thing they can find to inspire <laughs> conversation. Sometimes I think it's a little too much, but we won't go there now. To generate hits and follows, as they would say in today's age. One guy who's absorbed a lot of hits over the years, who is returning this year, Matt Schaub returns as the backup. I don't think that's a big surprise. They let Danny Etling go, as you alluded to a couple of weeks ago, and they let Kirk Bankert go. Now, you would expect, perhaps, that for the practice squad, when they get into that process, they'll add at least one, maybe even two guys with some experience in the league. We'll certainly see, but let's take a look at the career of Matt Schaub. He was the 90th pick all the way back in 2004. I worked on the Falcons broadcast in 2005. He was the backup quarterback to Mike Vick, and in some circles, people were screaming that Schaub should have the opportunity to play. Came out of the University of Virginia, 17th year coming up. Didn't play, so technically the 16th on the field. Didn't play in 2017. But you want to know what a career as a backup quarterback will get you over 16, 17 seasons? $82.5 million. He's had a pretty good career for himself. And was a starter, of course, for a number of years in Houston and various other places. I was just going to say, I know his entire time hadn't been with the Falcons. but I believe he stepped in and started for a while, and that's what led to that contract out in Houston and to him eventually getting that starting role. Schaub's been around the game, that's for sure. Well, another thing I find interesting about the team, and you don't see this as often in the NFL, very common in college, not as common at the pro level, is a lot of times defensively they'll utilize a 4-2-5 scheme. I'm familiar with a 4-2-5 because that's essentially what they run at Kennesaw State a lot of the times. And I think the key part of it, aside from your conventional 3-4s and 4-3s, the numbers tell you, you in effect, a 4-2-5 is four down linemen with the ends lining up outside the tackles. And then your outside backers become a hybrid of linebacker safety. And, of course, those are known as Sam and Rover. And those guys are just as likely to drop into coverage or play run support and also at times rush the passer somewhat unexpectedly. So a very uncommon scheme somewhat in the NFL. The inside backers, Mike and Will, a little bit more conventional linebackers that will play run support, will play underneath coverage, and oftentimes have the responsibility for tight ends. Yeah, and I'm going to pick your brain a little bit and your many years in the game of football. It's not that it's not easy. You could go on your phone, look it up, but I do feel yeah. like there's a lot of people out there that have always wondered what these terms mean. And On the defensive side of the ball, they talk about a base nickel package or a dime package. Give us a little explanation as to what some of those terms mean. Well, a base nickel is essentially like a 4-2-5 or even a 3-3-5. It's a defensive alignment that uses five defensive backs. Hence the term nickel, of whom the fifth is kind of known as a nickelback, and obviously it's geared toward coverage and plays down the field. So to give you insight, and when you play dime, in effect, you really have two players that are playing a similar role to that. And I believe Keanu Neal is going to be utilized in that nickel role a lot this yeah. season, and he has been in the past. But I'm really interested to see him. That's probably what I'm going to be looking at in the first game is how he is on the field. Because sometimes when guys have an Achilles and an ACL, 
sometimes it's more mental than physical getting those guys back out there up to full speed. So I just want to see if he's kind of gingerly out there moving around or, you know, maybe a few plays and he goes, okay, knee's fine. Yeah. Ankle's fine. I feel good. And sometimes maybe he'll have to make that one big tackle or take one big hit and get roughed up a little bit, and he'll be like, you know what, I'm okay. The other thing to watch for is how well he's recovered from it. And Achilles, sometimes a guy will miss or really not be his old self for the remainder of the season where the injury happens, and oftentimes some of the next season. So it'll be interesting to see how he reacts. Well, one guy that probably has as much pressure in the opening game as anybody you can think of in the league, would be none other than Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn this year is, in effect, coaching for his job, given the way things have gone the last couple after the high hopes and, of course, blowing that lead in the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. And Quinn, this week, we caught up with Dan. We go to our sound pile now, and Dan is ready for the season. We asked the guys to throw a hell of a training camp, and they totally did. So I hit them up last week how pleased I was with the work that they put in to help us get us to today having a chance to play ball. And so for that reason, because so many people worked so hard, it made it extra difficult weekend for Thomas and myself regarding roster decisions. And obviously that's a big part of this weekend. But now it's finally here, game week. You can definitely feel the energy already this morning through meetings and our start of our preparation for Seattle. So we're excited, man. Everybody's put a lot of work in to get us to this space. So we're definitely wanting to go for it in a big ways. Dan goes on to talk a little bit about the identity of the team as the season is about to begin. We're certainly confident in the way we approached it. We're certainly confident in the way that we're prepared heading into it and make sure our identity, not just offensively, but as a team, totally comes through. And so our run game and play pass, obviously that's a big part of what we want. So we've definitely you know, worked a lot over the last five weeks into that space. So we like the group and where we're headed. The defense has played well. You know, We're trying to make sure roles for the players, responsibilities, you know, make sure they're really clear on what we're going to ask them to do and how to do it. And so I think having, you know, new players and new coaches in some things have been excellent for the defense as well. Rob and I were talking a few moments ago about A.J. Terrell. Here are Quinn's thoughts on him and the expectations for Terrell. The reason that you see who he has to go and compete against, that's a big piece of his readiness of getting there. But through the spring of learning and then obviously being on field for training camp and getting all the reps against guys like Julio and Calvin and Russ and, you know, all different spaces, that's as close to getting in and getting ready as you can get. So, yeah, we have a lot of confidence certainly moving forward with AJ. And But like for all players, you know, their first experience in the games, they're all excited to get rolling just as we are. Coming up in a little bit, we'll hear some comments from Dirk Cutter, who obviously goes into his second year as the offensive coordinator. The Falcons, and a focal point for the Falcons, has been getting that whole situation more comfortable. Here is Quinn on the second year with Cutter, and it being more of a seamless transition with the players now having a year under their belt in his system. You know, this was going to be a season like we had to adjust and had to adjust. So my concerns coming in were how do we do the meetings and how do we do it spaced? And so the guys just came right in and were really ready to get rolling early. And so I think that speaks to the continuity because clearly they put a lot of work in before camp even started. So having those sessions where they could throw together, coach one another, that certainly helped as we got into practice. But I really think the league did a good job. Here was the ramp up period where we got plays, got to install, and then got into the practice session. So having that familiarity certainly with guys like Matt and Julio and Calvin and then add in a new player, you know, like Hayden into that mix, how many reps can he get? So there was not many new that had to get accustomed into that routine. So that was definitely an advantage. 
One of the many unique things about this coming season, of course, the fact that you have no preseason film to see how teams are preparing, how they're going to play, how they're going to scheme with guys that are new to their roster. Quinn talks a little bit about that. You just basically have to go back to seasons past to get some familiarity scheme-wise in terms of your preparation. What you don't know is how they'll feature new players in their system, in their offense, and in their defense on special teams, same as you know they're not certain how we're going to be featuring some guys. So that is one big difference. But as far as looking at other games, you really rely on last seasons, and then you'll have to adjust in the game when things are changing, and that'll be a big part of, I think, the first couple of weeks. Yeah, so Rob, I think a fast start probably matters. Fast starts are important anyway, but the fast start probably matters as much for Quinn and maybe Thomas Dimitrov as anybody in the organization. 100%, and I'm a little concerned as to how fast they may start. And again, it all goes back to the whole thing of no real live games, no practice games, no preseason, having to rely heavy on scrimmages and old film and Typically, most players that go from team to team are kind of featured in a similar fashion. These guys are all professionals. It's nothing new for them, I don't think. I think it's just a minor adjustment, if you're asking me. But what I love nothing more than to see the Falcons come flying right out of the gate. I know we're going to hear from Dirk Cutter in a minute, but 8 of 11 starters. you got a new running back, new tight end, new left guard. Second year in the system. The defense has always been the defense. They've just been injured, and I've said it a million times on this show. I fully expect them to do great things. And if they don't, not only Quinn, but you really got to start chirping about Dimitrov. I think he just had his 13th draft with Atlanta. So it's time to start looking at his body of work as well. And I think the Falcons just got to look at the big picture if something happens and they don't produce as expected. One guy they'll look to feature on defense and they'll hope for big contributions from Deion Jones. Here is Jones on the approach to the opener this year. We're going to try to treat this week just like previous game week. Try to get the gear started fast and just do everything that we usually do. Is, and that's practice plan fast, practice been on our details, and making sure everyone's on the same page so we can go out there and put on a great performance. Without all the extra things like fans and all the usual things we have in our environment, ball is still going to be ball. And if we just stick to ball and play it to the best of our ability, I feel like we're going to do really well without all the other you know, stresses on game day. I think the comments by Jones are along the lines of what you were talking about. When you're a pro and you're used to these things, you kind of know, especially a veteran guy, you kind of know the speed with which the game's played. You're not going to have the fan component for a while. In some cities, you'll have a little bit of it, but nowhere that compares to what it normally is. But I think that veteran players tend to, other than getting whatever lift the crowd might give you if you're a defensive player, Players a lot of times, particularly offensive players, will tune out the crowd the best they can. Oh, yeah, and again, there certainly are players that when it comes to showing up for games, when they hear all the sights and the sounds, that's what really gets them charged up. So that'll be interesting to see those players with that motor like that that kind of feed off the crowd, how that's going to affect their play. I think it's going to be a high-flying circus. I think we're going to see some of the craziest plays and some of the craziest developments you know, in the game of football that we've never seen before. That'll be an interesting dynamic for sure to see how this 2020 and the approach to getting it going, how that changes and or makes this season unique compared to others. Well, Cutter is in his second year back here as the offensive coordinator as promised. He is confident going into his second season as the OC. It's a unique and different season for sure with no preseason and just the way everything's come together, but it's the same for everybody and we're sure excited to get out there and watch these guys get after it. 
it's a team game, so it, it takes all 11 guys, but I'm very confident in the guys that we're going to be putting out there, and I know they put the work in, and now it's time to go out there and compete against somebody else. Two of, of course, the key tools in the box for Cutter, and two of the very best players in the NFL, Matt Ryan and Julio Jones. Cutter was around back in 12-13 when those guys were younger players after Julio came via the trade. Ryan had been here a few years. And here's his assessment on the maturity of both from then to now. Matt and Julio are two of the best in the league at their positions. They both matured as they've gotten older. They've had life changes. Matt has kids now. Julio's continued to get better and better every year. I think they're the same in a lot of ways. But the thing about those two is they've seen so much together. They definitely have a nonverbal communication between those two. They've got so many little signals and eye movements and I tap this body part, it means this. They've got a lot of stuff that just applies to those two that nobody else has. And Cutter finally talking about Ryan. And, of course, even though they know each other and they've worked together before, still Cutter talking about Ryan in the second year of this offense, the current one that the Falcons are implementing, and he feels pretty confident about that. I just think that we can make adjustments much quicker, you know, with – Raheem Morris, our D coordinator, and our defense threw a lot of stuff at us in training camp, and we're able to just adjust on the fly maybe a lot quicker. With my second year in this terminology, I know that's helped me. Matt really sees the field well, and he's such a good communicator with me. It makes those adjustments a lot smoother. Yeah, so there you have it, the sound pile for this week. And the Falcons sound confident, at least. You know, one of the things about the opening week in any sport, hope springs eternal. What the fans' hopes are, what the expectations are, oftentimes they're not met, oftentimes they're exceeded. But I think in a wild card type of year like this, and I don't mean wild card playoffs, a wild card type of year like this, you really don't know what to expect. It goes back to what you were talking about a minute ago, wild, crazy, who knows. Yeah, it's going to be exciting. One thing that I would like to see happen is for Dirk Cutter to stick around for a while and maybe Matt Ryan finishes his career with him because that's one thing that's been said throughout Ryan's career is he hasn't had a lot of consistency at that offensive coordinator position. Now, everybody knows I think he's a first ballot Hall of Famer, premier elite guy. I wonder how much better his numbers would have been had there had to been some more consistency in that position. Because you get a guy in there for two or three seasons, you learn his system, and then he's out, and here's another guy that's there for a season and a half. I mean, we could run down all the offensive coordinators Ryan's had over his career, and it's just seems like it hasn't really bothered him all that much. It's probably bothered us more than it has him. (laughs) His best years, the reason those coordinators have left is to take head coaching jobs. Obviously, Cutter, when he went to the Bucs, and more recently, Kyle Shanahan. And that's kind of the price of doing business in the NFL. If you have a unit that really excels like the offense did in 2016, et cetera, et cetera, like Buddy Ryan's defense way back with the 85 Bears who had a 15-1 and season. That's what happens when coordinators and their units excel. They're out of there because they get offered head coaching jobs. You can't blame anybody for wanting to better themselves or better their career because it's every coach aspires to be a head coach. Maybe there's some guys out there that aren't, and I know this happens all the time. You look at the University of Alabama. Coaching carousel like crazy. Guys are coming in and out all the time. Patriots, you know, a lot of guys, Romeo Cornell was a Patriot guy. The list goes on and on of guys that have gone, you know, that coaching tree. But I guess for me, I would like people 
to see things bigger picture. Like, I'm going to be a part of something that's bigger than me. And so if you have a great successful season with the Atlanta Falcons, why not stay and see if you can make a run of it? Win a couple of titles, three titles, whatever. So that's always just bugged me. A guy comes in, has a great year coaching, the offense is great, it all blows up, and the only thing they can think about is how quickly they can get out of town to make more money and get somewhere else. And I think it's all their egos. Everybody knows that coaches can be some egotistical <laughs> SOBs. Yeah. So I think that's a big part of it, too, is they all want to be calling the shots. They all want to be calling the plays, and they all want to have their own program that they can call their own. And some ways I get it. Some ways I wish it was different. Probably is never going to happen like I wanted to happen, where you get a coaching staff together in Atlanta, and they stay together five, six, seven, eight seasons and put something really special together. We're going to step aside and take a break now, and on the other side of it, we'll have Scott Johns of the Atlanta Falcons. He will weigh in as the first week of the season is upon us. Right now, we take the aforementioned timeout. This is Falcons Flight, presented by Believe Entertainment. I am Brian Giffen with Robert Taylor, and Believe is the number one site for podcast professionals. Do you believe? We certainly do. Back with more Falcons Flight right after this timeout. Mr. Hardwood is Atlanta's premier flooring expert, but hardwood is just the beginning. Mr. Hardwood also installs laminate, tile, vinyl, carpet, and more. Your home is likely your biggest investment. Not only can you enhance its value with beautiful new floors, but our lifetime transferable warranty will enhance the value even more. If you stand on it, Mr. Hardwood stands behind it. Mr. Hardwood is committed to setting the industry standard for all your uniquely designed and professionally installed flooring solutions. Our number one goal is to exceed our customers' needs by providing value, quality, and exceptional service even after the sale. We take great pride in high-quality craftsmanship and integrity and are not satisfied until we have exceeded your expectations. Mr. Hardwood, Atlanta's flooring experts. To set up your free consultation, call Mr. Hardwood today at 770-318-8880 or go to mrhardwoodinc.com. Like in football, whether it's in business, recreation, or life, you need a game plan. Is your computer running slow? Is it infected with viruses or malware? Maybe you're a gamer and really want a custom-built computer specifically for gaming. Perhaps like us, you want a lightning-fast, state-of-the-art, solid-state drive to replace that clunky, old-school one in your machine. Your game plan for any of this should be Computers Plus. A lot of the components we use to produce and bring you Falcon's Flight have been upgraded or provided by Computers Plus. Computers Plus is located in Ackworth, Georgia at 3330 Cobb Parkway Northwest, Suite 154. But wherever you are, they can help. Stop in and see them. They also feature a full line of accessories and refurbished equipment. Give them a call today at 770-693-0769 or check them out at computersplususa.com. You'll be glad you did. This is Falcons Flight Edition 6. Brian Giffen, Robert Taylor back. And very pleased that Edition 6 and opening week of the season 2020 have finally arrived. And we want to remind you that Falcons Flight is a presentation of Believe Entertainment. Again, it's the number one site for podcast professionals. Do you believe? Robert and I certainly do. 
Joining us now via the telephone is Scott Johns. He does so regularly from the Atlanta Falcons. Scott, opening week is finally here, and that means a busier week for you because you are going to be one of the select few, aside from coaches, players, etc., that are at Mercedes-Benz Stadium for this opener against Seattle. What are your thoughts here on the eve of the season with such a unique preseason and or training camp? Well, it's definitely been different. The way we've approached going into the season is certainly like no other. In fact, I had a meeting with the NFL on Sunday, and, you know, they just went over a bunch of new SOPs and what to expect. And, and a lot of it, you know, a lot of common sense stuff. And we're going to be tracking the stadium by an armband with a, with a chip in it, and I think necessary for a successful season. I think the leadership in the NFL has, has put together a really nice SOP to ensure that teams stay in a bubble and that people like myself stay. I mean, we test twice a week for the COVID. I think it's a good call on the NFL part. One thing I want to ask, because we have talked and to steal a term from Brian, ad nauseum about training camp and no preseason games. And I'll be honest, I was starting to get a little bored because, you know, you can only talk about this stuff so much before everybody starts going, I get it, I understand. But now we've got a real game coming up Sunday, so let's talk matchups. When all these Falcons fans get their gear on and, and they get to their favorite sports bar or they get down, like you, they have a really amazing Falcons fan cave. Maybe we can get Scott to post some <laughs> stuff on social media because it really is awesome. So when they sit down, both sides of the ball, key matchups, what are we looking for? Well, it comes down to the individual matchups more so now than ever because with no crowd noise, you can't really rely on that too much for an advantage when you're playing at home. So a lot of the trenches, I think, are going to be very important offensively. I think we need to make sure that we're keeping their pass rush at bay, obviously, and a lot of that's going to be winning your assignment, you know, mano a mano, but a lot of that, too, is scheme. I think their cutter's got to get a lot of misdirection going, a lot of reversing the field, getting Todd Gurley on cutback lanes to neutralize a little bit of that Seattle speed because you have guys in that front seven in Seattle, the Bobby Wagners, the K.J. Wright, the flat-out run, and when you're trying to outrun them sideline to sideline, you're not going to win very often. It's going to take a full group effort by the offensive line and some of these tight ends to really make sure that we're stealing and springing some of these runs by Gurley and, and Brian Hill. Defensively, I think you just have to do what you can to contain Russell Wilson the best you know how. There's no real blueprint on it. And, of course, a guy like Dante Fowler, who played against him the last two years out in L.A., playing against Seattle, I think he's got some experience that he can bring to the table and say, hey, this is what's worked for us, because they certainly did have success against the Seahawks in that manner. I think it's going to be interesting to see how they game plan for Russ, because they can never buy. He's someone that can make you pull your hair out. Yeah, he extends plays. Exactly. And it's going to be on the defensive back just as much to make sure that they're disciplined. You know, when when the scramble drill is happening, they have to ensure that when the scramble drill is happening, they have to ensure that they're disciplined in in their coverages. Because I think part of that, too, is now that we're running three safeties on defense with Ricardo Allen, DeMonte Casey, and Keanu Neal, I think a lot of that's going to be worked out in the game plan this week. But what it always comes down to in the NFL is just discipline and, and making sure that the game plan is put in place to, A, neutralize the speed on the Seattle defense, and then B, make sure you're keeping Russell Wilson in check, at least for the most part. Scott, you mentioned game plans, and that's one of the things we heard from Dan Quinn about a little bit earlier. One of the very unique things about this preseason, whatever you want to call it, the fact that in most years you use a lot of preseason tape, even though it's kind of meaningless to fans to a large extent. You use a lot of tape as a coaching staff to develop a game plan from preseason because new pieces, new additions, new head coaches, new coordinators, whatever you have that are going to change the dynamics of that team that year, you use a lot of that tape to develop a game plan and in your scouting reports. And you don't have that this year. 
Yeah, unfortunately you don't. And it's going to be what they're going to have to do is Seattle hasn't undergone a lot of turnover in the coaching staff. They're going to be able to revert back to a lot of what they saw last year. I mean, you've still got DK Metcalf, you've still got Tyler Lockett, you've still got guys that are going to be crucial to their game plan offensively. And you have to do the best you can dating back to last season because their philosophy hasn't really changed. It's pretty much the same. You're still going to see a lot of the same route concepts. You're still going to see a lot of the same route combos. And really a lot of it's just knowing and identifying certain formations and certain patterns within that. And Dan Quinn, if there's anyone that's going to game plan for that offense, Dan Quinn's the one you want to do it, being the former D.C. up there. He knows the personnel well. He knows the tendencies. And and he knows how Pete Carroll likes to implement his game plan. So it's going to be interesting to see the chess match, and that's exactly what it will be going into this week. I think it's going to be a shootout. You mentioned Dante Fowler having some familiarity with Seattle, but another guy that does, and I have my concerns, is Todd Gurley. Since 2015, Todd, with the Rams, has played the Seahawks nine times. They've gone six and three. But Todd Gurley against the Seahawks, he's either really good and he torches them or he's really bad. He had 120 yards in one game, went over 100 in another game, but in four other games he was held to 51 yards or fewer. So I think that one of the big keys to beating the Seahawks on Sunday is getting Todd Gurley going and getting him going early. Yeah, that's a great point, Rob. I mean, it is feature famine for, you know, a guy like Todd Gurley. The physical defense, let's call it what it is. That's a very physical defense they tout up there in Seattle. And, and not quite as much as years past. I think they haven't necessarily fallen off, but they're not as physical as they used to be. And there are areas, certainly, of opportunity for Atlanta. And I think when they put the game plan together, Dirk Cutter and Matt Ryan and some of those offensive assistants are going to be able to look at it. And, you know, like I mentioned earlier, the cutback lanes, I think, will certainly be there. A lot of the misdirection stuff. And I mentioned this a few weeks ago. The outside zone, I think, is going to be crucial with the athleticism of our offensive linemen and being disciplined in their blocking assignments. I think that's going to be a big part of it, too, because if you can extend the play out you know, and get Todd Gurley on the perimeter, those still blocks can spring him for 20, 30, 40 yards at a time if you're not careful with Seattle. So it's all going to be in the game plan. I think the offensive linemen, you know, Chris Lindstrom and Caleb McGarry are very, very good at creating running lanes. It's going to be on full display on Sunday. They've got their work cut out for them. But I do think it is a winnable matchup for those guys, especially coming into their second year with some experience under their belt. The offensive line, the defense as terms of how it started a year ago, and obviously the running game for me are really the keys. Did you address and did you successfully address those areas where you had question marks? What in your mind are the keys specific to this game? What are the Falcons have to do well? What do they have to do right to come out of there with a W? Well, offensively, it's win on early down. I think, you know, one thing that we struggled with last year, we didn't win on first and second down. We found ourselves behind the down and distance pretty often. So when you fall behind the chain, it creates opportunities for the defense. And unfortunately, when you're averaging two yards per carry or less, you're not getting it done. So the key is to get the running game going early, like Rob said, and getting chunk yardage on first and second down. You don't want to be in third and long all day. If you find yourself in third and long all day, you're probably not going to win that game. You've got to find a way to get three to four yards on first down, mix it up early on second down, and then on third down, you have to be efficient. You've got to be able to protect Matt Ryan. You've got to win your matchups if you're Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley. And I'll tell you who's really going to be under the microscope on Sunday is Hayden Hurst. He's going to have some opportunities with some of those undersized safeties to get one-on-one matchups. You know, with them rolling coverage, Julio's way, I think you're going to see a lot of one-on-one matchups with Hayden Hurst with undersized players, and then the second corner is probably going to follow Calvin Ridley around for the most part. So, you know, he's a guy that if you're not doing your film study on him, he's a guy that'll make you look foolish. His, his ability to get in and out of routes is, is incredible. So, 
with all that said offensively, I think defensively, you got to get pressure on this Russell Wilson. If you let him break the pocket and make plays down the field, it's going to be a long day. They've got to make sure that they are completely disciplined in their pinches, meaning the defensive ends when they pinch to the outside and play in that contain. We're built to do this. We're built. Dan Quinn likes the mantra fast and physical, and then that's what you have to be against a team like this. This is why we build our team this way against quarterbacks that can move around because that's how the NFL, quite frankly, is evolving. The linebackers, I'm not so much worried about the linebackers. Completely trust Deion Jones to get those guys in position and flow with the play. I think we have enough speed. Their run game is not their bread and butter, but it's certainly effective enough to open up their offense completely. You got to let the linebackers flow, meaning, you know, the defensive tackles, the defensive ends need to hold their water just enough to let the linebackers get out there and, and do their work. And then, of course, you know, one thing that you're going to see that we haven't seen in years past, when you look at the top of depth chart, there are three safeties listed as starters. That means Keanu Neal is going to be a guy that rocks out of the box a lot for run support. And I think he's going to be counted on to help contain Russell Wilson. And that was something that Vic Beasley did in the past against mobile quarterbacks. Just say what you want about Big Beasley, but he had speed, and he was a guy that could certainly neutralize some of these mobile quarterbacks. I think you're going to see Keanu Neal wear a few different hats on Sunday, and most importantly, he's going to be that physical presence over the middle to make those, some of those short to intermediate routes. You're going to make some of those receivers think about it because you've watched him for years now. He's a hitter, and he's a heavy hitter at that. Scott, two-parter. Number one, I know the Falcons have gotten in trouble with this in the past. Are they going to have crowd noise? But the two words that I've got for you that nobody's talked about yet, because I know in the history of the Falcons, just in the last 10 years or so, it's been talked about a lot, but red zone. What are they going to do down in the red zone? How many opportunities are they going to get in the red zone versus the Seahawks on Sunday? And what are they going to do when they get there? Besides watching Gurley in the offensive line, that's another thing I'm interested in as well. Well, it's a great question because that's what ails them. I think they knew going into this offseason the agenda was we have to fix the red zone offense because getting across midfield, I think we were top four in the league and in getting into the red zone percentage-wise. It's down in the red zone where we struggled mightily because I think it was two parts. I think one was our inability to protect Matt. The other was we were not imaginative when it came to the play calls. And now that Dirk's another year in, he's added wrinkles to plays that I think are staples in our playbook. I think you're going to see a lot of different looks down there. And then the other part of that, of course, and I know we've talked about Todd Gurley a lot, but it's just that I mean. You go out and get the most productive red zone running back in the NFL in probably the last three seasons in terms of touchdowns scored inside of the red zone. He's just that. He's there to score touchdowns for you. He's not there to carry the ball 30 times a game and get you a buck 50 on the ground. He's there to score touchdowns in the red zone. I think they're going to find ways to get him going on the ground in the red zone. And don't be surprised if you see Matt throwing to him a lot in space and letting those guys get out there and create a voyage for him to you know, make his way to the end zone. Scotty, final thing for you. I want your thoughts on one Matt Schaub. He returns again. This would be his 17th year in the league, although he didn't play in the 2017 season. A 90th pick all the way back in 2004. He's made $82.5 million over his career. What are your thoughts on Schaub? Obviously a real professional. I also want to know how old you were in 2004 when he was drafted. Oh, wow, yeah. So that's kind of funny. So, you know, when, when Matt was drafted out of Virginia back in 2004, he was here to back up Mike Vick and kind of mentor him because he was known around the college world as one of the more cerebral guys, the guys that can certainly read a defense and consume an offensive playbook. And he's been just that. It's funny that he's returned for that role with Matt Ryan, just like he served Michael Vick in that capacity. To answer your question, I think I was 16 in 2004. <laughs> You're just getting so your driver's license. That's right. And, you know, of course, I enjoyed those days very much. I was a big Michael Vick fan, and a lot was to be said about the way Matt Schaub was. It was a mentor to him, even though he was younger than him. But Matt Schaub certainly taught 
Michael Vick a lot about the game and how to approach it as a professional, like you mentioned. But his value to the Falcons isn't what he can do on the football field. A lot of it's done during the week in game planning. He's been around the game for a long, long time and worked with some very good offensive coordinators. He knows the game as well as any quarterback in this league. And I think his value of sitting in the film room with Dirk Cutter and Matt Ryan and those guys putting the game plan together and saying, hey, this is something I've noticed. It's just another brain in the room that can maybe see things from a different perspective. So a lot of fans are, why are we keeping a 40-year-old quarterback? Well, the answer is this. His ability to produce and all the legwork that goes into Sundays is invaluable. And I think that it's one of those unsung values that we see. And the common fan's not going to understand that, but please understand if you're listening to this and you're one of the fans questioning as to why he was part of this organization after all these years. It has nothing to do with Sunday. Scott, as always, we appreciate your input on these things. It's going to be an exciting weekend, and we will look forward to picking your brain on Edition 7 of Falcons Flight next week, and we will all have digested this one by then. Thanks a bunch, man. Appreciate you guys. Scott Johns of the Atlanta Falcons spending some time with us, as he regularly does on this program, and we will take a time out. But fear ye not because we're not too far away. In fact, the other side of this break, we will have the soon-to-be world-famous Swirly segment coming your way. Right now, we take a timeout. Brian Giffen, Robert Taylor, this is Falcon's Flight, and we're back right after this. Like in football, whether it's in business, recreation, or life, you need a game plan. Is your computer running slow? Is it infected with viruses or malware? Maybe you're a gamer and really want a custom-built computer specifically for gaming. Perhaps like us, you want a lightning-fast, state-of-the-art, solid-state drive to replace that clunky, old-school one in your machine. Your game plan for any of this should be Computers Plus. A lot of the components we use to produce and bring you Falcon's Flight have been upgraded or provided by Computers Plus. Computers Plus is located in Ackworth, Georgia at 3330 Cobb Parkway Northwest, Suite 154. But wherever you are, they can help. Stop in and see them. They also feature a full line of accessories and refurbished equipment. Give them a call today at 770-693-0769 or check them out at computersplususa.com. You'll be glad you did. Mr. Hardwood is Atlanta's premier flooring expert, but hardwood is just the beginning. Mr. Hardwood also installs laminate, tile, vinyl, carpet, and more. Your home is likely your biggest investment. Not only can you enhance its value with beautiful new floors, but our lifetime transferable warranty will enhance the value even more. If you stand on it, Mr. Hardwood stands behind it. Mr. Hardwood is committed to setting the industry standard for all your uniquely designed and professionally installed flooring solutions. Our number one goal is to exceed our customers' needs by providing value, quality, and exceptional service even after the sale. We take great pride in high-quality craftsmanship and integrity and are not satisfied until we have exceeded your expectations. Mr. Hardwood, Atlanta's flooring experts. To set up your free consultation, call Mr. Hardwood today at 770-318-8880 or go to mrhardwoodinc.com. It is Falcon's Flight, edition number six. Brian Giffen, Robert Taylor, as we gear our way toward now the opening game of what is promising to be a probably a very different 2020 season with the way preseason and everything has been approached in this year of the virus as it's likely to be remembered. The pressure in my mind is really on Dan Quinn 
and we'll see how the Falcons respond and how he and his staff put things together for this very tough test to open the season. I think the pressure is just as much on the players as it is Dan Quinn. Yeah. Because all these guys know what they have. You, you know, and I said we ran down the list last week. Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, Hayden Hurst, now who's unproven. But there's talent there. It's something like you've always said. There's talent on every NFL yeah. roster. Even the worst player on an NFL team is still better than most football players no out there it. in the world, you know. And everyone's starting from the same place. The Seahawks didn't have any advantages that the Falcons didn't. Everyone's had no practices. I probably should have been a better co-host and kind of looked more into what the Seahawks were doing. I'm going to give one more piece of advice for Scott, and I know he's going to listen. We hung up with him. But, Scott, I want to see you out there with some bubble wrap or, like, some kind of Nerf-like material. Because if Schaub has ever got to take some snaps... God forbid anything happens to Ryan or, you know, he gets sick or, you know, tweaks something or whatever. He's going to need a little extra protection. <laughs> he's, he's, as you called him, a gray beard. So. <laughs> yeah. I think in that old Christmas movie, he's fragile. Yeah. <laughs> but one other thing quickly from around the league before we fire up the can. I want to say hats off and congrats to Azoya Alufaha. Big Z, who, of course, was a defensive tackle at Kennesaw State made the Houston Texans practice squad, and thus far, anyway, the first Kennesaw State player through the first five years in the history of the program that has or will open the season on an NFL roster and or practice squad. So hats off to Big Z. Had to transfer after missing his senior season at Kennesaw State with an injury to his knee during camp, fall camp. They gave him a medical exemption for another senior year, but he had to go play it somewhere else, so he went and did it at D2 West Georgia. So hats off to Big Z. Rob, with that said, what time is it? Well, I'm going to give everybody a little background today because I had a couple people ask me that they've heard the show and they say, you know, you, you yell swirly time. <laughs> Where did you get the inspiration from it? Well, everybody knows how it came about. We were doing our old show and somebody was coming out of the back bathroom and I said something to the effect because I could still hear the, the toilet flush and I said, man, wouldn't it be funny if we just took a ridiculous athlete or some other person every week and like swirled them? Remember, remember swirlies and everybody laughed and said it was great. But where did I get it from? So there's the movie Gone with the Wind, and there's the two guys, and they're out working. And the one guy steps up and pronounces that it is, in fact, quitting time. And he's, quitting time! Well, the other guy nudges him. He goes, hey, man, I'm the foreman. I'm, I tell everybody when it's quitting time. And then he goes, quitting time! So that's where I got the inflection. One last little thing. Let's all wish a very happy Falcons birthday to running back Kadri Allison. He does have a birthday today. But without further ado, one of my favorite parts of the show and then probably one of the funniest things that's ever sprung from my brain. <laughs> I'll pat myself on the back a little bit. But it is, in fact, swirly time, swirly time, swirly time. The Falcons flight crew is intolerant of Jack Azaray. There is a special place where morons are plunged headlong into a blue vortex of irony. Where imbeciles are irrigated, dumbasses are drenched, and abject idiocy rinsed away. Where pompous assery comes face to face with porcelain. Where chlorine, tidy bowl, and bleach administer swift, swirling justice. Indeed. This is our Game of Thrones. 
where mindsets and hairstyles are forever altered. It is the Falcon's Flight Swirly segment. Now let's get this party started. And it could ruffle a feather or two if we reached down and told you, ironically, this being an NFL show, the first person we ever swirled, none other than the commissioner, Roger Goodell. But I digress. As Robert pointed out, it is indeed swirly time. And since I do it every other week, I'm going to lead this off. Robbing a store 101. Take the money and run, but not before checking your getaway car's gas tank, per the AP. Authorities say a man's bid to rob a Pittsburgh pharmacy was foiled because the car had no gas. 39-year-old Anthony Scolieri fled the pharmacy last Wednesday with a small amount of cash and got into the vehicle. When he couldn't drive away, he tried to run away on foot, but was soon confronted by police. Authorities say Scolieri showed a cashier a pistol when he demanded cash, but they say the weapon was a fake and authorities recovered the stolen money. Scolieri faces three counts of robbery and one count of possession of an instrument of crime, i.e. a fake handgun. Oh my. Hey, Scolieri, meet the Blue Water Fairy. Get over here. That's it, boy. Get in there, nice Idiot. The reason that bad things happen to you is because you're a dumbass. And in this case, I think that sage little comment certainly applies <laughs> over to you check the tank man for real <laughs> yeah that yeah. that e that stands for empty that, and the gauge on your head is probably reading the same thing aside from blue moisture maybe get the gas can for the lawnmower off the shelf just yeah. something like yeah. whatever it takes it's just so funny how many of these stories there are of these <laughs> window lickers that go into these endeavors criminal endeavors without the best game plan ever like, why wouldn't you? Like, hey, if I get caught, bad things are going to happen. I better make sure I've <laughs> crossed all my T's and dotted all my I's before I get involved with this because the whole point is to get away. Well, I don't think these guys, the vast majority of them, are mental giants in the first place. So that probably feeds into, A, while they're attempting crimes, and, B, why they get caught. Maybe some of their brain cells have perished from the CO2 that they uh, breathe be. in from wearing their masks everywhere. Fair <laughs> assessment. These guys probably aren't doing that either. <laughs> this one's a little different than one I have, because I'm actually going to applaud someone first and say thank you so much. So this is from CNN. The woman best known for popularizing gender reveal parties has a message for the world. Please stop. Oh, thank you so much. I've always thought they were a little ridiculous and, and a little overboard. And I get it. Somebody usually pays for it. So this week, as more than 7,000 acres in California were burned after a gender reveal led to a massive wildfire in San Bernardino <laughs> County, blogger, and I hope I get her last name right, Jenna Carvanitas, or Carvanitis, who is largely credited for creating the gender reveal party, took to Facebook to condemn the over-the-top events. Stop having these stupid parties for the love of God. Stop burning things down to tell everyone about your kid's penis. No one cares about you. <laughs> now, I'm, I'm going to be a little long-winded. So she started hers back in 2008, and they had a simple cake. You cut it open, it's either pink or blue. Okay, great. But since then, and again, one of my favorite things, window lickers, have started to get explosives like Tannerite involved. 
So the current wildfire in California, 7,000 acres is a lot, right, Brian? Yes, it is. Well, in 2017, a gender reveal party sparked a wildfire spanning 47,000 acres oh and cost the guilty patrons more than $8 million in restitution. Just this past April, a gender reveal in Florida, 10-acre brush fire. They had one in Australia last October. This is the worst one. Last October in Iowa, an idea for a fun gender reveal party went south when the family unintentionally built a pipe bomb. When the device went off, it wasn't just blue or pink gunpowder that exploded, but the entire pipe did as well, sending shrapnel flying and killed the grandmother. Oh, my. So, you know, and it goes on and on. But seriously, guys. You can have fun with gender reveal. Our good friends, Justin Hooper and Jordan McKinley, had one. But what did they have? They had white shorts, white T-shirts, and spray guns, super soakers. Yep, yep. And when they sprayed them, it turned their uh, white clothes pink. Totally safe. So please, for the love of God, you don't need pyrotechnics, tannerite, or any sort of explosive device to tell the world what your child is going to be. So for all of you idiots out there that have done this... <laughs> Go away, please. Hey, revealers, you're about to be bubbling squealers. Get over here. Hopefully the grandmother's not in there. Is that water going to be pink or blue, guys? Take a guess before you get done. The reason that bad things happen to you is because you're a dumbass. Yeah, these gender reveal parties have turned into a little bit of a, hey, fellers, watch this. Yeah, hold my beer. But, you know, can you imagine how awful that is? You know, like, <laughs> just think, when that child from Iowa grows up, maybe they're sitting in the family den looking at old pictures, and there's Grandma. Yep. Mom, Dad, what happened to Grandma? <laughs> I have well, fond she... memories of the grandmother. Yeah, she died in a terrible gender reveal explosion. Oh, that's terrible, man. I would gather they probably won't ever tell the child that story, but <laughs> seriously, man, like, yeah. come uh, on. I mean, come on, man. Use some common sense. And that is sage advice in everyday life. Well, that'll about do it for edition six of Falcon's Flight. As always, we appreciate you joining us. Thanks to Rob Taylor over here to my right. Also, thanks to Scott Johns of the Atlanta Falcons for his insight. And we look forward to Episode 7, Edition 7, which will come your way. And the Falcons will either be 0-1 or 1-0. Falcons Flight is a presentation of Believe Entertainment, the number one site for podcast professionals. Do you believe? We certainly do. We will talk to you next week after week one of the NFL season, everybody. That's it for today. So long. Thank you for listening to Falcon's Flight. Tune in throughout the season for updates, insights, and analysis on the Dirty Birds. Falcon's Flight is a production of Believe Entertainment. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.